right, hello everyone. Welcome to Cloud Realities Live. It's a conversation show about cloud-driven transformation and what it really means for businesses and humans. My name's Dave Chapman. I'm the Chief Cloud Evangelist at Capgemini. And I'm usually joined by Shalki Azal, who's my co-host on the, on the show when it normally comes out on a Thursday morning. Unfortunately, Shalki can't be with us this week, but as a special treat for us all, we have a roving reporter with us, Rob Kernahan. Rob, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, hello. Very nice to be on the podcast. I've been great to be here on the expo uh, floor. So I'm actually in our cloud center of excellence and I'm our chief architect for cloud in the UK. So all things cloud, very good. Good to see you. And how's your Vegas been so far, Rob? I think the best way to describe it is Vegas is unique and we'll leave it there. But it's all very exciting. Are you feeling blurry this morning? I'm feeling clear. Uh, Clearer. 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 Yes, absolutely. But you can tell it's Vegas when you check into a hotel. We checked into our hotel uh, at the beginning of the week and um, you had to sign a no party disclaimer for your rooms, <laughs> which is something I've never had to, I've never had to, That's a new one, yeah. never had to sign one of those before. You, anyway, you, I took a photo of it. You just know there's a very good reason why they hand those disclaimers <laughs> out, don't you? You know something happens. There was an insurance claim somewhere in that, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you might have heard Tom in the background. We're, we're very happy to be joined by Tom Metzeller. Uh, Tom's part of the, of the AWS Partner Solutions Group. Tom. Welcome, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Great pleasure. Um, great to be here and talk about innovation and how we can drive innovation to our customers to drive their business outcomes. Um, you're going to ask me what I like about Vegas or how I find Vegas? I, I, I'm going to get to that in a second. Just tell us a little bit about what your day job is. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my day job when I'm not in Vegas is uh, managing solution architects. Can you remember your, what your day job was <laughs> yeah, at this point? I do, I do. I have notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so managing solution architects is a group of teams that work with customers, working backwards from their business outcomes, defining solutions with them, building capabilities so they can actually operate it upskilling the teams that run these operations and work with partners, that's my role, with partners like Capgemini and others, to uh, uh, build the muscles mm. to co-sell cloud, not only as a selling motion, but also as a solutioning motion of how do we address particular industry problems. So that's what my team does. Well, brilliant. And we're going we're gonna to hear a, a lot more about that, I think, in our discussion in a second. But yeah, anyway. Do tell us, how's Vegas for you so far? Well, I didn't have that disclaimer that you had. But <laughs> so that means in your room you can have a party? Apparently, so yeah. we should well, probably we know we're going after this. Yeah. All yeah, back yeah, to we after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what's interesting, I think, is uh, the sheer size of it and the sheer, the sheer walking distances that you walk, right? Yeah. I, when I, on a normal day, back at home, I walk like five, 6,000 steps a day. Here it's five, 6,000 steps an hour. Literally yeah. by eight o'clock in the morning, you've done exactly. 5,000 steps. Exactly, exactly. And this morning, we had a brilliant journey here, didn't we, Rob? Got, got all the way here from our hotel. We're staying a fair bit down the strip, probably like a half an hour, 40 minute walk to get here before you even start your steps in the Venetian. And we literally walking into the, the main expo floor and Rob goes, oh, don't forget, don't forget to put your badge on. And I'm like, oh, my badge. <laughs> And it was back in my hotel room. So I had to go, anyway, so I had to sort of like ashen-faced walk up to the help desk and get a new, a new badge. But anyway, we're here. So let's dig into AWS innovation process. Let's, let's start right at the beginning before we get to that though. And just give us your take, Tom, on the, on the tech innovation to business outcomes relationship. In your head, how does that frame up in your, in your customer conversations? Yeah, absolutely. So 
what we, what we do at AWS and what we work with our partners doing is how do you drive and understand the business outcomes that our customers want to achieve, right? Yeah. And we have a mechanism for that that's called working backwards. It sounds a bit awkward sometimes. Right, right. Uh, it, it does. Mm -hmm. it's, it's counterintuitive perhaps sometimes. And what it means is actually you discover with your, together with the customer, what is the business outcome that you want to drive? Yeah. We're not talking about technology at this point, right? We're just talking about business outcomes. What is it that matters to you when you do your digital transformation? What do you want to achieve with your digital transformation? Is it more efficiency, cost savings? Is it being, being more innovative? Is it to be more agile? Uh, and in many cases, it's all the three. Yeah, right, right, right. right. All and at then, the same time and save some money. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And actually, the cloud does, in, to a great extent, enable that. When you migrate to the cloud, when you build your applications natively on cloud, you're building them at low cost. When you migrate, your cost goes down. When you modernize, your cost goes further down. Right. So that frees up money. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can use that money for innovation. <coughs> Adding budgets for, for doing that. Now, when we then understand these business outcomes, to your earlier point, is it well, how that, does technology relate to that? Mm -hmm. Well, once we un understood what the business outcome is, we work uh, together what are the possible solutions, discovering the art of the possible, discovering what, is, uh, what technologies do we have, what solutions do we have, or we need to build to drive against these business outcomes right. and then build a plan very quickly, as quickly as possible, building prototypes around it that can show the key elements of the solutions that we're going to drive, right? Yep. So the customer can actually buy in very early in the process and we can bring in the teams of the customers. We do that with C-levels, so, with business... So activity created very quickly to get, a, to yeah, get a sense of where we're going and to help exactly. shape decision-making yeah. rather than try to whiteboard everything in minute detail. Correct. But let's just wind back to working backwards. Let's dig into that process a little bit. So how, how does that actually work? Like, what are the steps that you would go through yeah. to, en to envisage that situation? Yeah. I like the term that you used, envisage, because that's the first step. Uh, we call it an envisioning session. So we talk together with the most senior level that we, that we reach, right? Mm. It might be sea level. And we really want to understand what drives you. Is it top line or bottom line? And what are the elements that you have from a strategic perspective in mind to get there. So that's step one. Yeah. That defines us sort of the North Star. Once we know what the North Star is, we can see what are the different projects that we would need to put in place to get to that North Star, mm. right? Mm. And we do that either as AWS or we do it with partners. Step two. Step three then is discovering what are the customers that we address with these uh, solutions, right? The customer from of our customers. Uh -huh. How would, would the user experience be? What what changes really drive in the business model of our customers. Third step, and then you, we start shaping out what the solutions are, and most of the time, we actually write it all down into a document that we call PRFAQ. Right. Another yeah. strange uh, abbreviation, uh, typical Amazon. And that's um, a press release. That's a press release that we actually, we simulate the announcement of this, the achievement of the business outcomes that we set out to do together and describe how that would look like from a yeah. customer experience perspective, what the impact would be for the customer, how we did it all together, etc. And the FAQ part is just, you know, the, the setting detail. the framework of 
how does it work, who is the customer that we address, what are the solutions that can drive it, and so forth. And, and what I think is particularly interesting about it as a technique is the, is the level of discipline yeah. that it drives, both in the envisaging process yeah. and then in the sort of, you know, in the FAQ, the sort of steps to get there, if you exactly, like. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and to me, that fits really well with sort of purpose-driven purpose -driven development. Yeah. Why, do you, why do you think purpose-driven development is so key to driving the types of outcomes that you guys are sort of regularly delivering? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, it, it simply ties back to the business outcomes that you want to drive. But purpose-driven development means we are looking at an area where uh, we know exactly what we want to achieve. We are not just incrementally uh, adding features to something that exists. We define first what is the final outcome that we want to achieve. Right. And purpose-driven development means we can focus our teams that develop code to work against these uh, outcomes. Right. So. Right. Right. And 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 that flies in the face a little bit of what some people think of when they think of agile, yeah. which is like it's this sort of endless exploratory thing that can cost money and you can't yeah. really budget it properly. Yeah. And and actually, it's so far from that if you do it properly. Right. So how right. would you distinguish that? misperception of what this can be like from the sort of formality that the PR FAQ process yeah. gives you? Well, good point. Um, in order to make sure that you don't have an endless development with churning out features that you demonstrate but they actually don't lead to this business outcome, yeah. you need to have a governance around it, right? So the governance requires that you have, first of all, an executive sponsor, right? Right. If, they, if you don't have an executive sponsor at the customer, well, people will start playing around and coding stuff and right, exactly. consuming They'll services. They'll code all day. They'll exactly. yeah, yeah, they yeah, Love it? Yeah, they will play ping pong and uh, <laughs> have coffee and code, right? So, uh, <laughs> that's not what you want to achieve, of course. They can play ping pong, but let's first work against the business outcome. Yeah, right? be a little bit outcome. So the governance means you need to have a framework of, of, of technical and business people that monitor the process of the actual the, uh, building that pilot mm and demonstrating that, that pilot that we built back to the business owners and sponsors <clears throat> and then have a decision point there that looks good let's iterate on top of it and move it forward to the next level right right government and have you got i mean you work your day job right is, is actually running some of these processes with customers and yeah. i think before we go on to um like uh, some good examples that i'm sure you you have at the back of your mind how do customers interact with it if you see what I mean because there are some like really different bits of the process so I know there's like things like the table read which yeah. is which is really different from most yeah. PowerPoint driven meetings today so for, first of all tell us what the table read is like and and how does that go down when you first run that with a customer yeah it is an interesting uh, experience when I joined Amazon just anecdotally uh, I heard I read about that that there's a reading culture there's a narrative culture we yeah. don't do PowerPoints um, and that's an interesting point. When you do that the first time, going through the session, you're really puzzled what's yeah. happening, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so how does it work with customers? So the process of building up the PR FAQ, that's the document that guides us then through the execution, is um, a collaborative process. You don't build it in the corner and then smash it in front of the customer and say, hey, here you go. Uh, it's a collaborative exercise, right. so that means the customer is actively involved in building it. Mm -hmm. Another the, the, the narrative reading part then is we put it in the front of the audience, the executive board or the uh, committee that uh, uh, has to sit and read it. That has to sit and read it. Minutes. And we give them 10-15 minutes, just read through the document, understand what it means, go through the FAQ, 
and then we open up for questions. Right? right. And if the document is well written, which hopefully is the case. Yeah, well, uh, the, and, and you know, it's, it's supposed to be, right? Like, you're supposed to actually put time into crafting the language and the description, yeah. which is actually quite, un quite different from the way a lot of businesses run today. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, so you, you've got a fluid document to read. The thing that when I've sat in table reads uh, that I find quite fascinating is rooms of senior people are not used to being quiet for 15 minutes. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, they're used to That's having point, yeah. vibrant discussions and they've <laughs> yeah. generally got opinions. So like, do you, how, how do you deal with that sort of cultural thing, you know? Yeah, I think the way we do it normally is that the one who presents the document, who wrote the document, who owned the build-up in a collaborative way, will have to moderate the meeting, right? So right. be quiet, CEO, please, for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. And then uh, we'll, we'll discuss your points on that. So, and because the CEO was involved in the envisioning part, was involved in some of the collaboration to get to the document, they will certainly be so much involved already mm. that uh, the part of getting them offline and, and bringing in new ideas is relatively manageable. Yeah, yeah. Well, so look, let, let's, let's draw our, con uh, our conversation to a bit of a conclusion with an example. So. Yeah. Talk us, talk us through a customer experience that you've had. Yeah, a, a very good example I have, which is very recent. Um, think about aircraft industry, right? Uh -huh. A very, an industry that's very heavily impacted by economic situations. All right. Yeah. Uh, certainly through COVID and the lockdowns and the travel restrictions and what have you. And so all these aircraft industries have lots of airplanes, as we know. Mm. Um, Part of the cost, that I think. <laughs> yeah, I think indeed. You're sort of stuck without it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, it's a bit of a capex element to it that, <laughs> that hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so all these aircrafts are have a life cycle, right? Once they hit the life cycle, they have to be taken out of yeah. service. Yeah, yeah. What happens usually is that air aircrafts end up somewhere in the desert. Yeah, right. And they're big parking are rotting lot. there. Yeah, right? yeah. It's a big parking lot here in Nevada, actually. Yeah. There's a big parking lot in the Middle East. So right, right, right. Right. But what if you would recycle the parts that can be recycled? What would you, if you would sustainably dispose of these parts? And what if uh, that would create a new business opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that was a starting point of a discussion that we had with one aircraft manufacturer, and. Um, in building up, okay, let's talk about it deeper. Can we go and envision around it? What can we build a solution around it? Is there a business opportunity? We did exactly the process that I described earlier. So we envisioned what the solution, what the solution could be to drive a new business that actually puts aircraft like parts sort of end into a marketplace. Like end-to-end new business. Exactly, exactly. So the technology that we use is obviously AWS, but the technology that we use wasn't part of the initial discussion. It was really, let's define how that business model looks like. Right. Let's define the business outcome that we can achieve. Circular economy, using uh, aircraft recycling, using proper disposal of parts that you cannot recycle, and <clears throat> work with aircraft manufacturers, airlines, uh, uh, you know, the leasing companies that own many of these aircraft, work with them on this business model and build that marketplace. Right. And once right. we had all these elements defined, that we can say, okay, what do we need in terms of technology to support all these different business elements? Fantastic. And, and that included all the way back into the sort of the, the recycling supply chain. Absolutely, absolutely. And here then we come back to the power of Amazon, where we could use for the distribution 
the delivery of these parts from where they are recycled to the recycler. Right. Again, a supply chain that is already in place, right? That can just be leveraged. Yeah, absolutely. Power of Amazon. And is it up and running? It is. Uh, will be up and running very shortly. We do. Uh, we have gone through all this process of, as you said, reading silently the documents and going through prototyping yeah, yeah. and seeing how this element could work. And we will put it into place very shortly. Fantastic. Thanks, Tom. Uh, amazing example. And now we're going to turn briefly at the end of the show to Rob. Rob, our roving reporter, ah. been out on the been out on the floor, yes, gathering been, gathering trends. Rob, been finding all the secrets that are going on. I'd just like to say to uh, Tom's point, what's fantastic about that process is getting businesses to think differently. Cloud's the enabler, but what's the visionary business model that we're going to come up with, and how do we pivot as always? And I love the way you can take them through a different process and get them to imagine the way they can work differently. But it's very very powerful. Yeah, um, and actually, I'd not heard one that was a full end to end business idea like that. I heard quite a lot that are around sort of singular products, um, but like an, the actual end-to-end -end launch of a, of, a, of a business, particularly one that's so well grounded in you know, sustainability, is yeah. uh, to be applauded. Huh? Yeah, susti good. sustainability is a big driver for many of these uh, engagements that we're having now, right? Yeah. All, all, our all, our, all companies outside have sustainability targets for obvious right. reasons. And so if you are not in the greenwashing business, but you want to really bring out real solutions, that address sustainability sustainably, then of course you are in a in, 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 with that process you're driving really a number-based outcome. Right? Mm. You can say I want to reduce my CO2 footprint and become carbon neutral. Yeah, right. Right. So how do I measure that and how do I build the solutions that drive that? Well, fantastic. Through that process. Well, and we're going to dig into sustainability a little more in our show on uh, on Thursday morning. So if you're interested in that, then please come around. So Rob, what's trending? Uh, so, uh, early announcements so far that are coming out broadly in four themes. Um, the first one is cloud sovereignty, which is a hot topic at the moment. In fact, I was with Tom yesterday talking to the AWS team about what they're doing around right. sovereignty. And Matt Garman has released a really good article about what that means and how they're going to take it forward. It's interesting is the AWS strategy diverging from the other hyperscalers. So uh, there's that. It's still quite an immature market, but it's a huge market to chase. And if they crack it, it will be good and exciting. So I think the best one here is the game is clearly afoot with sovereign cloud, and we're waiting to see how that plays out with other nation states. So, right, right. So, uh, yeah, so you'll hear a lot about that um, this week around controls and getting through accreditation and things like that about rising to meet the challenge. And was it in the announcements this week, is it is it purely new config? Or is there, is there new tech involved in what they're talking about? So we're seeing new tech come out about actually understanding and de demonstrating security positions, which is right, moving towards right. what the regulators would like. Uh, I see. Say. So that's quite good. We're seeing a lot of moves. And in fact, brings me on to the second theme, data. Some of the things that are going on about all this data that we collect and understand it, is it just digital litter? Or how do we create something interesting and exciting? Yeah, I should do it? something so, with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're seeing a lot more control and, um, uh, around the data. We're also seeing services that abstract and um, make it less complex to deal with huge volumes of information. So going through metrics and understanding what that actually means, hunting the interesting information, or things like Macy being uh, targeted at huge data sets, try trying to find personal identifiable information, security issues, all yeah. that sort of thing. So we're seeing a lot of announcements about that come out. Did, did, did you have any sort of example use cases about what you might be able to, like how does that, 
how would it show up in real life sort of thing? So uh, you would essentially point it out and say, detect PII data, which shouldn't be there and things like that. So being able to assure that the data sets that you're managing don't have anything in that they shouldn't have. Oh, that's and for a lot of organizations, that's massive. a really important thing. Because if you think about how many architectures work, do organizations really understand their data, where it is and what insight they can get from it? Yeah. So with this automation around it, it becomes a very pragmatic way of de-risking getting value out of your data. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, well overdue, I would say, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, uh, along with that, digital twins, it's going to be big. Um, so we're seeing uh, a very interesting discussion going on here this week about the International Space Station, OTIT convergence, creating right. a near real-time model associated with what's going on there. So that's quite exciting. And I think we'll see a rise of digital twins, not just with uh, um, aircraft engines and um, such like, but we'll also see about digital twins modeling businesses. So like Modeling organizational processes. Like and that sort of thing. systems of business systems. Yeah, yeah. So I can test process change against my business and then see what impact that might oh, have. I love you that. think about the power of that is I, love that. I can de risk change. So when organizations have to do these new end to end business models and they're thinking about what they want to change, they can test it. I wonder if they'll be able to put human complexity into that. Because like, I can see how, I can see very quickly how you might get to sort of automated versions of process mapping, if you see what I mean. Yeah. But like actually bringing the. You know, using something that actually modeled the human element would be would be really fascinating. It is yeah. combat, yeah. But, and I think there'll be a race uh, for the the first to get there. We'll get real competitive advantage. Yeah, I agree. So we're now seeing the tool sets that allow me to build these digital twins very very quickly. Who's going to grasp hold of it first and get their competitive advantage against right. the ability to go faster and test things earlier and you know drive pace and agility into the organization? And the space station example that you used is that a digital twin of the entire? space station or is that just like sections of it at the moment it's more sections driving uh, taking all the information and trying to model on the ground what's going on so they can test different scenarios and things right. like that but yeah it's a very impressive example of what you can do very quickly amazing and digital twins amazing very complex um, and i think that brings me on to theme three which is around we're seeing uh, the continued rise and maturity of the clouds mm. and that comes out a few things and we've seen a lot of maturity cycles with cloud but that that continues um, a good example is the more sector aligned solution coming out like autonomous vehicles connected cars stuff like that that's very very cool right um, uh, but facing and rising to the business challenge in the end business mm. so it's not just about technology it's about understanding what those end-to-end -end outcomes need to be right which, which is actually very analogous to the sort of work you do Tom right and there's deep levels of automation one of the one of the absolutely cracking announcements I heard was you can go onto the marketplace and zero touch deploy straight to production onto an EKS cluster, which I thought will put many um, uh, at the fear of what that might be able to do, but right. others really appreciating the deep level of automation and can, you know capability that that's starting. Yeah. I think about end to end flow from I want to buy that, I get it into and production it's literally in moments. in live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah our, uh, your FinOps teams are going to have to be right on top of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Some, I, I some filled with dread. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah, filled yeah. with dread, others filled with joy. Yeah. It's one of those yeah, when you exactly. read it, you go, that's going to create interesting discussions in the yeah. corporate world. <laughs> what you can do? What again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you want me to do that? Yes. Um, and the last four, um, the, sorry, the last theme is around optimization and performance. So again, continuing to rise to the challenge of scale and performance. Yeah, and, and economic headwinds, presumably. Yeah, that's right. So we saw Adam talk this morning about deep optimization in cost, but no sacrifice in performance or scale. Yeah. And again, that yeah. points to the maturity point above, but there was some fantastic statistics that came out around when you do it properly, and you have to do it properly, the, the, the performance improvement you can get is um, fantastic. The cost improvement you can get is fantastic. And you can do it at massive scale, exabytes of data, yeah. billions of events processed uh, in real time. And the, and the aspect of doing it properly, of course, is like 
actually use the technology to innovate. Don't expect to just do what you're doing today and doing it sort of faster. Indeed, cloud, it's the enabler, but if you don't work differently, think differently, like we heard from Tom earlier about the new, the working backwards process, then you're going to struggle to be able to use it to its full capability. So organizations really need to think about their internal mechanisms and how they're changing them to embrace all this stuff. And it's, it's a, there for the taking. And it's a continuous process, right? If you look at it, moving to the cloud is a, is a one-time event or one-time yeah. event with many, many uh, areas. But once you're there, what you want to do is you want to look at how can I optimize continuously what I'm using and how can I bring in new services, new business projects and drive new, uh, new outcomes by using these new technologies, bringing cost further down, increasing performance, being able to scale, um, addressing also sovereignty uh, issues on the way uh, and improving security. Right? So we have also a few announcements around security this week. Um, and one of them is really using AI actually to uh, detect uh, uh, security incidents before they actually happen, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Using algori algorithms that are mathematically right. uh, yeah, predicting security. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Incredible that. Yeah. Well, look, great conversation. Rob, keep up the roving reporting. Well, we'll I'll be expect back. four more themes this afternoon. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and no Tom, pressure. thank you so much for your time today. That was a uh, great conversation. Thanks for yeah, that. Very good. And looking forward to you joining us on Thursday morning to talk about sustainability. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much. We're all on LinkedIn. Do feel free to join us and we'll see you back in the reInvent reality next time. Thanks very much. <laughs>